And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on? Well, I got a lot of questions for you today. I am thinking about starting a startup and I want to talk to you about what I should expect as a startup founder. Well, and one of the things you hear from me a lot is expectation management is key, right? So always got to set everybody's expectations. So Lambos, jets, and a spaceship to the moon, right? Yeah, absolutely. You get one on the first day. That's what I thought. I figured you got that when you signed up. Now, before we get too far into this, Matt, I wanted to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. That's the company you and I own together. Yeah, I think you know that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we do software stuff. We help people build teams and find programmers because you know what? There's not enough of them here in the United States. Or anywhere else. Should, is that the first thing I should expect as a startup founder if, I, if I'm starting a tech company? Because this is the second episode in our 52-part series. Are you going to show up 52 straight times on time, Matt? Hey, so far, so good. You're two for two, baby. You're, You're two, two for two. two. I, I knew that your short hiatus from hosting episodes with me would really give you time to wrap your head around the gravity of the 52-part series. Now, look. Matt, you and I both have have a long history of starting businesses, and you know I, I've written books about it. One of which you're in. We've helped a lot of other people start businesses. We provide services for a lot of startups, and we've invested in a half a dozen different ones. That's just the ones you and I together. You even more. I think we know a couple things about what to expect as a startup founder. I mean, you know, as we. We get into this. I mean, what's your what's your uh, ten thousand foot overview of what to expect as a startup founder? This shit's hard. It's really hard. I mean, it will test your uh, your will, uh, maybe your will to live even um, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't argue with you. Um, you know, I think the. As we've now published our 500th episode of Startup Hustle, and congrats on that, man, 500. That's crazy. That's a lot. I know. It really is. And and thank you for everyone that listens. And, you know, we really wanted to, in, in honor of the 500th episode and taking it back to the original format where Matt and, Matt and I were, you know, just host and host on a couple of things. We spent a lot of time creating this and we want to share with you like what you know, like the real story. Much like Startup Hustle TV, which will also show you the real story. We get the first episode coming out on February 1st, dude. You look good on film, Matt. You know, I 4K made me look worse, but it somehow really personified your beauty. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now, with that, I think you probably shouldn't expect beauty as a startup founder. Uh, you know, like you said, it's hard. And I, I want to really repeat that. If you're not ready for the challenge of a lifetime, don't start a startup. 
Like I mean, it's it, not, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, it starting a business is hard. That's like almost, we could just end the episode there, but I think we should elaborate. Well, I think it depends on how you're going into it. Right. If you're like, okay, I bet the farm on this, it has to succeed or I'm totally screwed. It's, it's really stressful. Right. Versus you're like, Oh, I have a job, but this is kind of my side hustle and it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not, but it's kind of fun to do. That's a much better place. than like, no, I bet the farm on this. And if this doesn't work, I am screwed. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you on that, though, because if you if it's just a side hustle, so I've always said that 50% of your attention gets 25% of your intended results. So, you know, now while a lot of startups and businesses do start as that, you know, spinning plough to the side, and that is a that is a good safe way to do it. Eventually, if you're going to really have a business and start a startup, it is going to have to demand all of your time and attention, which I find with a lot of people that I talk to, and I know you do too, that they have a very difficult time making that step sometimes. So, yeah. you know, at some point you are going to have to make that commitment because one of the things that you can expect as a startup founder is if you go to try, try to acquire funding and you have another job, well, a lot of people, I mean, well, you know, the same VCs I know, Matt, and they're going to not really be into that. You know, or or at least they're going to say, look, okay, if we invest in this, is this is this going to get one hundred and fifty percent of your attention? I mean, do you do you find that exact sentiment with investors? Yeah, I think that's always a red flag to investors is investing in a company to then just pay the founder's salary too, right? Like, true. That you know, true. that's not good. So, so well, first, that's first thing, pro- that's probably one of the first things you should expect is to not get paid shit for a while. Oh yeah, not to make any money. Yeah, and we won't name we won't name who, but I remember specifically looking at a deal with you a couple of years ago, and the founder was making ten grand a month or something, and seeking like a hundred thousand dollar investment. And I was like, "This is just ten months worth of paycheck. This yeah. isn't, you know." Yeah. And that, you know, that. So, I mean, you got to be able to, to live off the shoestring or be able to live off of the bootstrap for a while. So, hey, I want to start, I think we need to just, in the spirit of startup hustle and the, and the realism that we provide, you know, I think that we should start with the list of the bad things that you should expect, and we'll end with the good, which, by the way, is way shorter than the bad, just like I said. The very first one is, hey, uh, well, I don't think you should plan to fail, but you should expect to because the numbers are not on your side. Well, and I think part of that is defining startup right and are you trying to build a business that you're going to go raise vc capital and and kind of a true startup that that way um because those businesses definitely have an extremely high failure rate or is it more of a bootstrapped company and it's kind of a small business and it just kind of continually grows which is a startup but it's a different kind of startup right um those ones that go raise a bunch of money like 90% of them are going to fail. I mean, even if you raise $10 million, it doesn't matter. Your odds of failing are still very, very high. It's crazy to think that a $10 million deposit into your bank account still results in the likelihood of failure in many cases, but it's true. And we've had a lot of, uh, had a lot of adventure institutional investors as guests in the past. And they'll tell you straight out that they expect nine out of 10 deals to flop, which is kind of crazy. Like they're only yeah. trying to be right 10% of the time. So now I think another thing you need to expect along the way is that if you don't have the resources like in your own pocket, now, Matt, you and I, um, we, we 
cash flowed our own businesses, you know, individually. And then we've done that with full scale. And that is something that isn't always possible for a lot of people. So one of the things that I think you can have a high level of expectation for is there's going to be a lot of frustration when it comes to finding people that want to provide people or places that want to provide the resources for you getting started. Well, and that, and that could be hiring people or, you know, everything, right? Um, from raising capital, it's, it's, you start out going around trying to beg everybody to join you for some adventure that doesn't sound like a great adventure to start, right? <laughs> You're like, we're, we're in Europe and we're going to sell West. We think there's land. Come with us. We're not sure. We might, we might sail off the end of the earth. Yeah. We That's also might started. end up, yeah. We also might die at sea. We might get scurvy. There's a yeah. lot of things. And by the way, if we do get there, guess what? There's nothing there. There's no houses, there's no food, there's no crops. Like we have a whole nother challenge once we get there. And that, that is, a, I think that's a very good example, Matt, because when you start a business, if you, okay, first off, if you've never started a business, if you've never been an entrepreneur, I'm going to just be realistic with you. You have no clue what you're going to expect. Like yeah. you really don't. And, and you have to respect that, like respect the hustle in that regard. And with that, know, just know that you are going to have to learn a whole lot of stuff. I published a video on the Startup Hustle YouTube channel of you uh, talking about why you call it the Startup Hustle. Do you remember some of the things you said? Share them if you do. Ooh, because you got to learn to do something new every day that didn't plan to do. Yeah. That's you're the part chief, of it what sure. do you say? You're the chief, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. That's it. Yep. <laughs> But, you know, and, and so and you can find that on our YouTube channel. And, you know, Matt, I really enjoyed that because in a mere 90 seconds, I think you really encapsulated so much of what you can expect. And, you know, I say this because, OK, with a new business that nothing's ever been done, you have no protocol, you have no owner's manual. You I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like the first time the phone rings. Theoretically, you now have to figure out how you're going to answer the phone, who's going to answer the phone or yeah. if you answer the phone at all. Well, and it's like and it's, literally everything's a first. And it's really important to remember that for your employees too, right? It's it's really hard to go hire a salesperson or a software developer or whatever. It's like, oh, you have this cushy corporate job. Come work at this little startup, right? And then when they get there, they show up and they're like, hey, what do I do? And you're like, I don't know. We have to figure it out. We've never had a salesperson before. We don't have sales processes. We don't have a CRM system. We don't We don't have like a thousand things. So it's really hard to hire people that are used to a lot of structure and then you bring them into a startup where there's just, everything is just kind of runs, you know, just however you have, run. You have a great point. Yeah. And, like uh, if, if you're starting a startup and someone you want to hire is like, can I see the job description? Not the right person. Yeah. <laughs> hold my beer is what I would say. If you, in that case, you know, what's my job description? I'll hold my beer. Cause it's going to take a minute. So but I, I really the people go ahead. I think the key here is it can be really hard to find people and it's, and it's really important to find the right people that are going to fit the culture of a startup, right? Uh, that that's the challenge. And we talk about like hiring software developers is hard in general, right? Like imagine, you know, trying to hire somebody who currently works at Google that makes $200,000 a year to come to work for your startup, which you probably can't pay them that much anyways. And like, you just, you're, you're always struggling for talent and everything too. Like you can't afford to hire the best talent and all of that stuff. It's always, it's just a struggle. 
Yeah, I went through this with Gigabook because, you know, we had, I had kind of tried to go at it alone and I got to a point where I realized that I needed a, a technical co-founder and uh, that uh, I had grown up next to a guy named John Berman, who was a, an amazing and brilliant programmer and I needed his help. And I had hired him as a contractor, but I went through some of that because John's a, a high level software developer. He's used to big pay and big benefits and cool places to work. And like you're, like you said, all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you know, let's sail West. Uh, we might die. We might not. I don't know. But you look at your, you know, and, and that I remember, you know, some of the stuff, cause you know, John just in reality, his reality is what it was. He has a wife and he had a couple kids and a house payment. And yeah. you know, these people, they got to go like tell the people that they live with and they support. They're like, Hey, so I used to work at Google, but I'm going to go work at this startup that might fail. It has shitty benefits and they have no clue what they're doing yet. Doesn't that sound like a great idea, honey? And no. you know, like you, it doesn't. I mean, and that's so, you know, the talent thing and, and we were talking about expect some difficulty in finding people to join the voyage. Now, when you're doing that, you like 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 Mr. Watson said, you know, do you want to find people that are versatile, that uh, that are the Swiss Army knife? You want a Swiss Army knife and not a sword. You know, like swords are for a different battle later. You know, you don't want to be at the front line of the battle with your Swiss army knife and you don't want to be back in camp trying to open a can of beans with a sword. And I say that like the Swiss army knife analogy is, you know, if you can find people that have a diverse skill set and do a lot of different things and really are, you know, you don't want people that are going to, well, that isn't my job. I don't know how to do that. You know, guess, guess who does know how to do that? Google. For real, do you, do you uh, have you had over the years as you built your companies? Have you had people answer ask you questions? You know you've heard me say this before, so I know. Ask answer, Google, but like, yeah, people come and ask you a question. They're like, "How do you do this in Excel? I'm like, Did you consider asking Google before yep. me?" You know, I said that like some a, of that. But I said that to my wife earlier. She asked me a question. I'm like, I don't know, but I guarantee you'll find a video about it on YouTube <laughs> or Google. <laughs> Or Yahoo, or really anything connected to the internet. So, so one one yeah. final thing about employees is, I think it's also really key. We talked about it could be hard to find people in the right culture fit, but also thinking about you have to hire really good people because if you only hire one salesperson and they end up not being very good, you may just wreck the whole your whole company got wrecked because you hired a terrible salesperson, right? And so it goes in every category. Because yeah, if you only and, have three employees and one of them's terrible, that means 33% of your company yeah. is terrible. So you got to fire people quickly when it's not working. Very quickly. That's the key. If, if it's not working, you've got to make a change quick. They say hire, hire slow, fire fast. That's it. Yep. Which, is, which, by the way, is hard to do now. Back to that, all that experience. And I, I'm going to throw this in there. If you have not started, owned, operated, or grown a business before, you need to expect that you're going to have to have some tough conversations along the way too. And we see a lot of people, I, I see a lot of people just, they put it off, you know, and th there's one thing that I've learned about employees is they're good right away or they usually aren't. Meaning like if someone is terrible right away, mm, you might've hired the wrong person. Um, at best, you will end up with an average employee after a hell of a lot of work. And these are tough decisions. And if you're not good at, at having tough decisions, then or having tough conversations, uh, that might that might that might be rough. All right. So Matt, let's talk about some of the common pitfalls. Now, this is a series about how to start a tech company. 
so one of the very first things that occurs is with with tech is people hire the wrong developers or i'm going to put a tack onto this or they just choose the wrong technology yeah and that's always hard if you're not a a technology person yourself and you're just trusting in somebody else right so you you think you've hired somebody who's good and then three months go by six months go by you're not getting any results and you're like they just keep stringing you along they, they need even more money and like you just keep throwing money into the fire and it's really hard to know if if you hired the wrong person or the right wrong company or whatever and we hear this so many times at full scale right like people come to us because like well i hired so and so and they didn't get it done and blah 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 and now they're looking for somebody else to actually get it done and that's a really really common problem for founders that are trying to create technology that don't understand anything about technology it happens all the time yep and you know, as my at my job at Full Scale, if you want to check out what we do, go to FullScale.io. And now I'm gonna th this following statement. I'm gonna try to make completely unbiased from the fact that our company solves some of the problems that we're talking about. But at Matt, as you're aware, as my role as as the CEO of the company, I have a relationship with a lot of the people we do business or talk about doing business with. And you're exactly right. They hire the wrong people. They uh, all right. Look, if you're want if you want to start a tech company. You have to be ready to roll up your sleeves and have a and have direct interaction on a regular basis with the people that are building your dream, and that's that's what uh, almost always the people that that are waving the red flag at our front door wanting to talk about a new tech service provider, they have contracted what what I call a statement of work contractor, which usually says we'll do it for X price and we'll do it for so long, and then they they show them the product like every 30 days or something like that, which if it, okay, is okay. If you have 100% confidence that you're going to get 100% of what you want. The problem is, is, is a lot of times they don't deliver on time. They don't deliver the quality or it comes out like, you know, I think one of the things you can expect as a startup founder is that there's a hell of a lot of stuff that you don't know that is going to guarantee and immediately make the plan that you thought was solid, not. Yep. No matter what you think, especially with software development, it's always going to take twice as long as you think too. That's, that's another thing to expect. If, if it's even that even, and you know, here's the thing, building software is hard, especially when you're building it from scratch. Like mm -hmm. I have, I got to say that I have, Oh my God, dude, you have so much more respect for everything that you use regularly and how well most of it operates after building software for a decade. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Especially when you use a really good piece of software, you're like, really appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, get, I do that too, like with good, especially with something that onboards me quickly and gets me set up like that. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's like, I, I, dude, I, I just got a new, my dad gave me an iPad 4 or the iPad Air for Christmas. And I just appreciated the fact that Apple has become sophisticated and they're like, put your phone near your iPad. And then it says, do you want us to set this up the same way as your phone? I just, I go, yes. Yes. I came please. back in an hour and, and my shit was ready to go. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I remember years ago when the idea of switching or bringing in new equipment or doing anything, I'm like, okay, I haven't needed my email my email like server password in like five years. So where is that? And yeah, so, but, but, you know, back to that whole thing of, of the startup founder, like, 
just that it's a rocky road. Like if you have it provisioned for a lot of bumps along the way and a lot of obstacles on the way to the cash register, you are probably going to run out of money because that's likely to occur. So, um, well, another common pitfall in, in, in Congress with that is, well, running out of money. Absolutely. Yep. And if, you know, anytime you're a startup and you're burning capital, there's a brick wall somewhere, right? You're like, I've got so many months of runway and I run into a brick wall. And it's sort of like you're, you're playing a game of chicken, right? Because you're like, well, the investors aren't going to invest any money if we don't hit these these deliverables. So it's like you have to push hard and spend the money you have to hire salespeople, spend them on marketing, do all this stuff to grow, to hit those numbers, to get even more money. And then if you don't hit those numbers, you run into the brick wall. And it, it's like you're playing a game of chicken at all times when you're, you know, raising capital and, and going from round to round to round like that. And it's a really tough place to be. Yeah. Do not assume that you will raise capital or find investors no. or that you will do it within a time frame because um, you and you've been around this, too. Like just because you think you're getting it. OK, Matt, how long should you expect if you if you get if you start? All right. So from first pitch to a, a VC until you actually have money in your bank, like how long do you how long would you expect that to take? I would probably say six months at least at a minimum. Yeah. Five to six months at a minimum, usually more like eight. And, and I, we talk to people all the time. They're like, yeah, I'm I, well, how much runway do you have? They're like, I've got like three months, but you know, I just started talking to some investors and I'm sitting there thinking you're, you're screwed. Yeah, well, you're out of luck. And, and here's the other thing to keep in mind is everybody thinks they can raise capital, but most VCs are only going to invest in companies that they think can grow potentially to do like a hundred million dollars, a hundred million dollars a year in revenue. So if, if you've got this little thing that that you think, oh, I can grow up to $5 million a year in revenue or something like that is not near, anywhere near big enough of an opportunity that a VC is going to be interested because they want to invest when your you know, company's worth five or 10 million and then grow it to tens of millions, hundreds of millions, right? There's There's got to be a huge ROI there. So they don't invest in little things. They only invest in things that will be big. Well, I want to reframe that a little bit because we have had a couple investors on and not it wasn't necessarily about the, the hundred million or more. It was about the hundred X. Yeah. They want like whatever they put in, like their expectation, their hope is because remember they're expecting to fail more than not. So they yep. know that some of the money they put out there, it's just not happening at all. Um, you know, I think another thing that, that I want to bring up, and I, I, I don't know if I invented this word or this term or not, but, um, you know, I, I refer to middling and you've heard me say this and middling is when you're stuck in the middle, you're not failing and you're not hockey sticking and you're stuck in the middle. And the problem with middling is, is, well, people aren't usually writing checks to those tiny kind of companies. So I, I think one of the things that you need to expect is to hear, well, Matt, what are some, as you've gone out to raise capital, what are some objections you've heard about possibly being in the middling category? Well, it's when you first start, it can be pretty easy to get those first five or 10 customers that are the kind of people and personality that are quick to try new products, right? That are like love to try new things. And so you think like, oh, I'm having a lot of success. I got 10 new customers. Well, it, it's totally different when you go from there to finding the next thousand which are, you know, takes a more mature product and those people are not early adopters of things, right? There's a, there's a curve of this adoption and there's a book called Crossing the Chasm that's all about this, 
about, you know, from, from going from early adopters to eventually to more mature and enterprise customers and stuff like that. And a lot of people get stuck in the middle somewhere. It's like they, they get those first so many clients, but then they really struggle to get wider product market fit, wider adoption. Yeah, I agree. You know, here's another pitfall, Matt. Um, it, it's very easy to find yourself with the wrong partners and the wrong investors. Absolutely. Yep. You know, the, so, yeah. and the, the problem with having the wrong partner is you may not agree with them. Um, they can actually be totally negative on the company and provide like no value and actually, and absolutely just be cause more problems than they even benefit. I've, I've been through that as well. Um, and, but the hardest part is, uh, having people that are just in alignment on what are we doing with the business? Where are we going and seeing eye to eye about how to get there and what to do? Yeah. And, you know, I think we should probably throw the caveat in there of being careful about how you set up the company. Cause you went, you went through that just mm -hmm. with the super majority stuff or whatever. Do you have like 30 seconds about like why that was, what that, what you don't have to relive the whole story, but I, I mean, knowing what you know now, you'd never set a business up like that again. Yeah. Well, I had a company and we had basically five major owners and we had set it up. So basically all five of us had to agree to do certain things in the business. And as you can imagine, it's really hard to get that kind of super majority. Um, and so you definitely want to keep things simple to have a, a basic 51% majority. And you, we definitely can't have an investor come in, right? Investors aren't going to invest in a company where you have to have like an active Congress for everybody to agree. And like, it's impossible. So um, that was a mistake that I ran through. And, you know, we love and we learn, but back to that whole not knowing what you don't know. I mean, that's that's the real thing. So, you know, so many of the things that we've talked about kind of go to the next subcategory of what I want to get into, uh, which is expect frustration. And, and, and hey, if you're listening at this point and you're thinking, man, these guys are really not super positive about starting a startup. I want to go back to the fact that it's freaking hard and we're trying to help you. <laughs> understand what you're going to get into because starting a new business is exciting, but that, that new car smell is gone pretty quick because it turns into work. It turns into stress. It turns into responsibility and you need to be ready for it. And part of part of uh, the, ex the expectation with frustration is changes, challenges, and chaos. Those might be our new three C's. I love that. But you are going to have to be agile. You, Matt, will you explain what agile is for a tech company? Well, agile usually means that you're, you're planning things in a, uh, a more shorter cycle and flexibility. You're like, hey, I'm going to work on this for a week or two. I'm going to go get feedback from the customer and then take that feedback and then make further improvements. And that continues to drive kind of the roadmap and the decisions that are being made. Um, and, and working on those those fast iterations with a lot of feedback that's that's really the key and that's really important for any kind of startup or new new product because if you go you know hide in a dungeon somewhere for 12 months and build something and then finally come out at the end like you may figure out people hate what you built so right now, now matt gave the overview based on building a software product or just a basic product roadmap or timeline I'm going to twist that same agile mentality into a leadership and business growth thing. Look, you have, when we say agile, you have to be quick. You have to be able to move and maneuver and get out of the way. One of the advantages of being a small company is your ability to 
uh, show your agility. It's it, you are maneuverable. You have the ability to change course. You have the ability to do things very quickly. Uh, now you look at full scale. So once again, full scale, we can help you build your tech at your start company at your startup. We can help you build a team quickly and avoid the pitfalls of hiring the wrong developers. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, our company grew fast. All of a sudden we have 200 employees. And the, the issue with that is anytime you, we want to roll something out, well, we have that, that's a bit of an undertaking with 200 people to implement and get them all to follow it and whatever. When you are a small company, you have, the, you can do that in moments, you know, that can literally be a lunch meeting and decide to change course, but you are guaranteed to have to make changes uh, in regards to the second C of challenges, like there's just a ton of them, man. Like, for example, like, uh, here we go. We're going to do our MVP launch and here it goes. And we quickly realize that we've got a major flaw. Yeah, my the biggest frustration that I have, especially in the software part of it, right, is you f things are never going as fast as you want. You're like, we, we need to get this done. We need to get it released. We need to get it shipped. And especially if you're not a technical person and you can't even help get it done. It's like you just sit around every day and you have meetings every week with a team and you're just frustrated. You're like, why isn't this shit done? I got people that want to pay us for it, but we can't deliver the product. What is the deal? And that is really, really frustrating. And that kills so many startups, right? Because they, they only have so much funding. They run out of money at a certain time, but they've, they've got to deliver the product. They've got to sell it. And, and they're on a really tight timeline and everybody's under a lot of stress. And she's like, you're just constantly waiting. I got a couple word, words for the wise from a non-technical founder. When If you're building tech, uh, one thing you need to understand is just because you want it done by a specific date does not make it possible. I, yeah. I have, you talk about challenges and frustrations that, it, that you know, you're like, why can't that, why isn't this done? Why isn't this, we set a deadline for this a month ago. Well, look, deadlines aren't always structured in reality. Like people still need to make it happen. And I see a lot, I've, oh man, I've had just so, I've had countless conversations with non-technical founders trying to, to level them out a little bit. I'm like, hey, look, just because you want the team to have it done in two weeks and you say that's the deadline and that's when you're launching, it doesn't mean that it's humanly possible. So you have to temper your expectations at times and, you know, Patience can be a virtue in some cases when it comes to these things. Yes. In other cases, too much patience can be a little bit of a killer. Now, Matt, the inability to handle challenges and, and changes often results in chaos. Are there any are you have you ever used chaos as like an agent of transformation or any other way to I don't know. At least with chaos, you have movement, you have friction, you have energy. Yeah, I think there's chaos is, is a positive and negative, right? Sometimes it, it almost requires chaos to get things accomplished. It's like, forget about policies and procedures and security and this and all these things, right? We're just going to get some shit done. We're going to throw some stuff on the wall and see what sticks. And we're going to go do it. Um too bad Sally and whatever department doesn't like that we're doing this shit. The problem, the problem is Sally, and we're going to cause a lot of chaos to prove to Sally that there's a better way to do this, right? Like sometimes that's the only way you can get things done. But on the flip side, that chaos can be very destructive. Uh, Sally might quit. Um, and, you know, some people don't handle that chaos. They don't handle in startups like that continual change and kind of chaos that can happen because startups can be filled with a lot of chaos until 
they figure out their business model, they get the right people, the right policies, the right procedures and things slow down and all that stuff. But when you start out, like you're just kind of running from the hip and things can be very chaotic, but that's also sometimes why you move very quickly. Yeah. Well, like I said, chaos is at least you have energy, you have friction, like something's moving. Uh, the opposite of chaos is everyone dead on the battlefield. Yes. Yep. Um, which is which is hard to resurrect. So I can work with chaos. Uh, the the entire platoon uh, dead on the ground, not so much. Now, um, I think that chaos and your response to it as a leader really defines you as a leader. And you know, we've seen it. I mean, like you know, Matt, we've talked about telling the real story. I mean. I've, I've had to step up at full scale at a couple different times and be like, Hey, everyone, look, we're good. We're good. This is why stick, say the course we're going to be all right. And so, but that those are defining moments of your leadership, because I think the worst thing you can do as a leader at your startup is embrace the chaos and join it. Well, and there's oh been, my God, what the fuck are we going to do? <gasps> Well, and there's been a couple of times at, <laughs> at full scale even, right, where you figure out like, hey, this part of the business isn't functioning very well or these employees aren't doing their job very well. And you had to step in and figure it out. Well, in the process of that, you create a lot of chaos for everybody, right? Everybody's like, oh, my God, he's involved in our thing. He's changing everything. I don't like this. And and but you know what? Sometimes it's what you got to do. Uh, back to that having to do it all sometimes. Now, it's not that I do it better, but I know how we wanted it done and how it should or could be done. And I give everyone the opportunity to get that done. I always tell people, I'm like, when I start getting my, when you can see my sleeves up and I'm in your project, get worried. Yeah. Cause yep. I, cause my, you, Matt, you hear me say, my goal is to not have to do others jobs, but sometimes you got to. And, and that's, that's the thing. And, and, you know, I think one of the things we need to put in here is you need to expect to become an excellent communicator. You have to, ex and if you're not, you need to figure out how, because without that communication, it, well, people lose track, they lose sight of what's going on. Like it's very easy to become rudderless. Yep, absolutely on that ship, on that make-believe ship that we're sailing west that has very little hope of finding the new world. Man, this is really inspiring and positive, right? It, maybe <laughs> not. Welcome to reality. It's fucking realistic. I know that much. So yeah, now, yeah, I like those three Cs. Like expect frustration. And with that, you've got challenges, changes, and chaos. Yep. So embrace it. It's happening, whether you want it to or not. All right, Matt, let's talk about scaling. Um, and, and I'm going to let you lead this off because, well, for those of you that aren't fully familiar with Matt, you know, he's, dude sold his first software company when he was 29 for 150 million bucks. The next one, well, they're already in the Inc. 500. He knows how to scale a business. So I'm going to just hand the mic to you, Master Watson, because what is scaling and what are some of the problems and things that come with it? Well, there's always a delicate balance of, of how fast you grow a business, right? And, um, you know, how fast do you hire people? How fast do you spend money on marketing? You know, how much money do you invest in the, the product to improve the product? Like there's always a balance around, you know, how much capital you have and how fast you deploy it too. And then how fast you grow all of those things. Right. And people always say they, 
they want to grow as fast as they can grow. And, and they'd love to have that problem. Like I'm growing too fast. Um, I actually had that problem at Venn Solutions and it was not a fun problem at all because, you know, we would sell 50 new accounts a month, but then next thing you know, we're on a four month backlog. And all my sales team does now is take calls from people that are pissed off that, that paid two months ago for installation and everything, but they're not installed. And now my salespeople don't have time to go sell anything new and we can't even deliver it if they did because we're four months behind. And there was no easy way to solve that, right? We weren't just selling like, you know, oh, we just need to print more discs and mail them. Like there was a bunch of labor and, and can, you know, all this stuff that had to happen to set up new accounts and we built websites for them and all this stuff, right? And there was no like easy button for that beyond like hiring a bunch of people that we didn't have money to do and then if you even hire them, they're not trained. So, I mean, growing too fast is it can also be a, a really big problem. Well, you, they often say, and I say they, whoever they are, uh, you can go out of business and you can grow out of business. And to you know support what Matt said, we ran into the same thing at full scale because we went from starting a business that wasn't full scale to three months into it, realizing we had a tremendous opportunity when it came to tech services. That said, we had 100 employees before we were a year old. And you run into these chicken and egg problems, as I, mm -hmm. as I refer to them. So like, you know, we didn't have office space or, you know, like our, our human resources process wasn't sophisticated enough or cash flow issues, learning how to bill, like the way that we build our first three clients as compared, like, all right, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we let our first three clients pay in arrears. Like we did a month worth of service and then we let them pay, which meant that we usually got the check about. 45 days after that first day of service, uh, which seemed fine in the beginning. And then all of a sudden I sat down and I started looking at the math and I was like, dude, the way this is growing, we're going to need millions of dollars just to float our own receivables. Not to mention the fact we're putting ourselves, we might be in a tremendous position of liability. Like we could get, be a couple months behind you know, before we realized that someone wasn't going to pay. And we had to, once again, embrace change and start charging at the beginning of the month for the month we were about to provide service for. And these kind of fundamental changes, which then again, now we had to figure out how to do that. How are we going to get, you know, we get everyone on ACH. Okay. It's great to say that, but how do you do it? You need a form. You need to get people on. You need to get them to trust you, like all these different things. And I mean, it's going to come up, you know, and, and another thing too escape that people run into with scaling problems, kind of like you mentioned, Matt, is just the uh, inherent lack of resource. And, you know, we did that happened with us at full scale as well, because you know, we had one month where we hired 30 new people. Oh, shit. Okay, so now we have to buy 30 laptops. So that's almost 60 grand. We got to buy 30 desks, 30 chairs, 30 yep. everything. And yep. this is all before. So we're looking like at, we're at the point where all of a sudden we're looking at like 75 to 100 grand before these people even show up on day one. Oh, wait, we got to have someone for somewhere for them to work. Yep. Oh, that is OK. Now it's more like 100 grand. And this is before they show up and earn a dollar for yep. the company. And that's the thing. You can try and grow too fast and you end up dying because you're growing too fast and you make one one mistake along the way. Yep. Yep. And we, and well, we made a few and yeah. some of that, and I mean, there were times at full scale, especially in the beginning. Well, there was one two month period where we just had a waiting list. It was like, and, and here's the thing is that's frustrating. 
That's like, you have people that are ready to pay you. Kind of, you're kind of like you ran into with Vent Solutions. You've got all this business lined up and then you can't deliver it yep. for a number of different reasons. And that's frustrating because it's about resources. It's about, yep. and then in our case, you know, so when I hear scaling, so how scalable is your business? And I don't think we, for a tech, for tech standards, I don't think we gave a plain enough and fair enough definition of scalable. So like at Stackify, you have an application performance management product that could handle 10 times the number of users than it has now with a very minor amount of adjustment. Am I correct? We could definitely handle twice as many customers for sure. You know, and as we continue to grow, we find problems and we have to improve them. But it's, it's the, the key thing there is like a thousand people could go sign up for it in the next month. And I don't necessarily have to hire a bunch of people or anything to do that. It's more self-service. Maybe I need to hire a customer service person, but you know, there's not a lot of turn, turn a dial up. You turn a dial yeah. up on a server setting that yeah. increases bandwidth or capacity. Yeah. Now, here's the thing is, is so we found at full scale and I still like full scale, even though is a tech company, uh, provide tech services, but, but, that, but, the, but we, but we rely on people yeah. and it was actually Neil Sharma, the founder of DEG that said something to me. He said, well, Matt, you know, the thing with software is it shows up to work every day. And that's yep. why it's so valuable. Yep. And, and you know that there's a scalability. So if your business is highly reliant on people, I don't consider full scale to be scalable in the same way that we would, we, that we just referenced with Stackify. Like right. we can't go, totally we can't, we can't double our current revenue without doubling the number of people we hire. The problem with that is we have very, very, very strict and specific. We want to only hire people that are at a minimum in the top 20% of their career field or experience level, preferably the top 10%. The problem is, is with that model, that means we got to talk to 10 people to hopefully find one. You got to find them, you got to recruit them, yep. you got to assess them, you got to do it. And then you got to, then you got to wait because by the way, in the Philippines where most of our employees are, usually you give a 30 day notice there. All that said, that's not scalable. Like you said, with Stackify, you could have a thousand people sign up in the next couple of days and at least in the interim, okay, we got to turn the servers up a little bit. So yeah, yeah. can you no handle, problem. can you handle, can, be careful? Cause if you, well, we see a lot of founders talk about, they're all worried about the sky falling. What happens if everything goes well? Yeah. Are you absolutely. ready for that? Yep. Yep. Are you ready for that? Cause everyone's trying to on many days, stop from hitting zero what happens if you go the other way? And we see that well, happen a lot. So, there were a lot of companies I mean, this year that went through that because of the pandemic, right? Think if they were in online education or telehealth, telemedicine, or you know, certain industries that are booming, that all of a sudden are just like never in a million years that they think that this would happen. And they're just growing like crazy. You know, COVID gave me a whole new respect for a lot of shit, a lot of shit. Um, and really like... Um, you know, and I, and it's like, oh man, every, you better save for a rainy day. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot, we saw, we saw, well, I had talked to someone that had a $30 million funding round fall through because of COVID. I haven't followed up on that. Um, largely because, oh man, who knows, but how heartbreaking would that be? But you need to just expect now, now that said half about. Oh, in May or June of last year, my wife said to me, she goes, 
you're, you seem like you're handling this pandemic pretty well. And I was like, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. She's like, well, what do you mean? It's, it's just a different kind of problem. It's just a different issue, but expect problems and expect to have to solve them. So, okay. Um, this next thing, when it comes to scaling or something you can expect, and we hit on this earlier, I mean, do you understand your, truly understand your path to revenue? Because if you don't and you're wrong about it, game over, game over. And when I say your path to revenue, so different types of businesses have a different path to revenue. Matt, if you and I want to open a Subway, we can expect that the day we open the store, assuming that it's anywhere where people can see it, that someone's going to come in and buy a sandwich and we'll have revenue, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. With a tech company, nope. Like, well, and that, you, you, I mean, you can go a well, some you talk about those $10 million companies that fail or even more, uh, they never even generate any revenue sometimes. Well, and, and that's the challenge with startups is a lot of times, and that's why a startup is a startup is they're building a new type of product and a new you know industry or whatever, and they have to find product market fit, figure out who is the best customer for this, how do I reach those people. And a lot of times it's not really known early on. You're like, I built this widget and I know somebody loves it, but I'm not sure who loves it the most. And you spend a lot of time trying to figure out who to sell to and all that stuff. And it can take a lot of time. And sometimes the assumptions you make are totally wrong. And that's why people pivot, right? They're like, well, we thought we built this thing for this, but we figured out that it, with a few tweaks, it was a totally better solution for somebody completely different. Yeah. And, you know, and, all so... From day one till dollar one, how long did it take you at Stackify? Um, I want to say it was two to three years. Say that again? Two to three years. I think at least two years. It took us two and a half years to generate a dollar of revenue at Gigabook. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was doing another job and running another business. It wasn't my main focus. It wasn't my main concern. And I slowed it down. And that's that was part of where some of my statements at the top of the episode came from. Now, speaking of this episode, Matt, and we're racing right through it, uh, it is presented and brought to you by Fullscale.io, the company you and I own together. Uh, Matt and I have built a product and a service offering that's for you. Like if you're listening, if you made it this far into this episode, you're interested in either starting, growing, or improving your tech company. And our business model is really simple. We figured out what all the problems were that people had with outsource and offshore development, and we did the opposite. We just literally did the opposite, meaning we talked to our friends, we talked to our guests, we talked to people about it, and that's what we do. We specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining, and employing, meaning we make it real easy for you to build a team that's your team. So check it out. If, if anything, contact us. And let's continue this conversation because, like I said, our goal is to help you keep money in your pocket, make it further down the road, and to avoid pitfalls. So, you know, now I'm going to race through this ugly list, Matt, because that was just the bad. We only talked about the bad, you know, like, but I think some, you know, there's a few other things that you should expect. How about haters? Absolutely. Yep. Going to have some haters for whatever haters reason. Hate. They don't like your haters startup idea. Hate. They think it's a dumb idea or whatever. You're just going to have haters. Hater, haters going to hate. Lovers going to love. Is that, I don't know. I was thinking of Dave Chappelle's version of an R. Kelly song. All right. Skepticism. It's a, it's a subcategory of hater. 
Well, you're you're going to get it from your your friends and family and even your employees, right? What? And and uh, you've you heard me talk about this for as a founder. A lot of times you got to be a cheerleader, and that's especially important to your employees who are like they left their cushy job to go on this journey. You got to keep telling them that hey, we're doing okay. We're you know things are going to be all right. We're we figured out how to do this. Yada yada yada. Like you got to keep you got to keep everybody rowing in the same direction. Newsflash. No one's going to be more skeptical than your friends and family. Absolutely. You, if you haven't done it before, you're going to come into this expecting that to be your, your, your pillar of support. Not going to happen. And, and it's like mom and dad, God, God bless you, but they want the best for you. And you're taking on some really risky shit. So nine out of 10 times, mom and dad are going to be like, I don't know about this. And then you have like the dad that's going to be like me where I'm already, I'm working with my six-year-old to build a minimally viable product for something. I'm not even sure what it is yet. It might be, well, hey, have you seen my unicorn? Here you go. Those of you watching on the live stream, there you go. That's our, that's our MVP. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And, and she knows that I like gold shoes. So that's real gold according to her, but I'm pretty sure it's not. And if my kid did get real gold and painted it on something, I got other shit I got to deal with. Okay, Matt, we have talked about this next one through and through. How about the ups and downs, buddy? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times as a startup, you feel like it's, you know, David versus Goliath, right? And, and you're like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And then the next day you, you get a little bit of a win or you raise some capital and you're up and things are going good. And then the next day you realize you're still fighting Goliath and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just up you know, and down, man. You know, those paddles that have like the little rubber string and the ball and you're just like, pop, 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 pop. I think that's one way that you can expect to feel the ball being your head, your pride, <laughs> your wallet, your ego, in your reality and it's just thumping and if and and once you get it right it goes even faster but you know the ups and downs and, and look here's the thing entrepreneurship and we talk about this a lot on startup hustle tv and that's our new web series come check it out go to youtube hey folks it i i i finally saw it after working on it i had that moment where i sighed relief because i realized what we created doesn't suck and that was a good feeling now with that we talk a lot about the ups and downs and, you know, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And in fact, it's overwhelmingly not for everyone. It is going to test you. It is going to test you. Okay. Um, Matt, have you ever had self-doubt? Absolutely. I mean, I think if you're a founder and you don't have self-doubt on a monthly basis, it's probably not healthy. And people run into, you know, imposter syndrome and, and different kinds of things that are all related to this. And, just doubt in what you're doing, doubt in yourself, like all of it. And it, it can be tough. And I'm sure uh, most founders are prone to depression, even more so than regular people. So we even did an episode about that. And it, yeah. it is a real thing. Founders depression is a real thing. Because, you know, I think as a founder, you, sh you, can, you should and you can't expect at, at some, if not several nights to wake up at three in the morning and wonder if you're going broke, if you're going crazy, or if every decision you've made up to this point was wrong. And, you know, I want to quote my uh, someone I really admire, Brendan Bayless, who's the songwriter and guitarist for Humphreys McGee. He said it has a line where he says, I'm well endowed with all the doubt I need. It's built into all of us. And I've talked to the most successful people and some of the wealthiest people I know, and they still have imposter syndrome. Yeah, They still have founder's depression and they still wake up at three in the morning. It's just at a different scale. And yeah. 
that doesn't really go away. So, you know, I, I mean, now we're going to we're going to end this episode with uh, so I have been crowdsourcing some of our content from our amazing man. Have you seen how many people have joined Startup Hustle Chat? It's like you got a couple thousand people in there. I mean, we really just got serious about this a couple months ago, but we have some amazing contributors in there. And I have secretly been, so I asked them, uh, I asked the group, what what should any startup founder expect? Oh my God, dude, the answers in here. I'm going to just start with the best one. Can I do the best one first? Yeah, let's run through them. I love this one. This came from RJ Pahora and he's the, he was the founder of the fund conference and an interesting guy. This is my favorite. I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. What can you expect as a startup founder? The million ways you can use the word fuck in a sentence. <laughs> that pretty much felt like work. that. That touched my heart as someone who uses the F word as a pillar of communication, Matt. It's so fucking true. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, and then here, my own, my own quote, my own answer to that, to that same question was to have every fiber of your will tested, stretched, broken, bought and sold. Wow. That didn't sound too good. Do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. So by the way, I want to correct myself. RJ co-founded the fund conference with our very own Director of Strategic Partnerships, Jessica Powell. If you, if you want to be on the show, she's the one you have to deal with now. So, yeah, good luck with that. All right. How about Michael Edgar from Select Chicago? Drop dead panic. <laughs> yep. We, we got to cover some of the, Yeah, we got to cover some good things in this episode. <laughs> we're, we're saving those for the end. Like we talk about having tough conversations. I like to do what I call sandwiching where you start with something good. Then you put all the shit in the middle and then you put another slice of bread at the end of it on your way to delivering a tasty shit sandwich, Matt. Yep, yep. <laughs> we should have an episode about shit sandwiches. Cause you know, that's a term I use. Cause if you eat a shit sandwich first thing in the day, nothing else tastes great for the rest nope. of that day. So, all right, Ray J. Lopez, deviations from the OG plan, uh, changes, chaos, challenges, and your, your plan's wrong. Business <laughs> your plans plan, are always wrong. <laughs> the plan you made on day one is wrong. If you, the faster you accept that and get to work fixing it, then, yeah. Matt, do you want to read? Do you have this list in front of you, or would I you do. like me to keep going? Or would you like to? Would you like to pick one? Yeah, let's say. Make sure, make sure you call out. Make sure you call out the author. All right, from Shauna McGee Kinney, the transition into operations being super tedious, and I think there's a good point. A lot of us love to build stuff, like we're like mad scientists and we build some cool product, but then it quickly turns into brain damage of like delivering the product. So yeah. Yeah. So what we talk about shit sandwiches, the beginning, the middle and the end of it, like the middle part of the business for me is the, that's, I, it's my least favorite, you know, yeah. cause like you said, it's that brain drain. It's into like the meetings change from the exciting, fast moving nature of raising capital and building your first product to like, cool, I'm going to spend the next two hours talking about customer service. Yep. Mm. Uh, well, the very the next entry is from our very own chief marketing officer, 
and also the founder of Mixtape the Game, which is something we have invested in. We're pretty excited about Mixtape the app. We need to play again. We need to do another episode. Do you yeah. know that it links, it links up with Apple Music and Spotify now and has tiebreakers and like a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I'm looking forward to that. But Joel said, expect opportunities to quit, then glimmers of hope that can motivate you for an entire year. I think that's fair. Pretty so, much. It does, look, look, it's not all negative people. Like I, I try to find the, the, the diamond amidst the shit sandwich. You know what? So, it it kind of sounds like golf. You totally suck at it for 18 holes, but you had one good shot. It gives you a glimmer of hope. <laughs> yeah. You pretty much just described me as a golfer. Like I'm looking at my scorecard, shaking my head. You know, my dad's almost 80 and has had like a hundred heart surgeries and stuff like that. And he still beats me at golf. So I've kind of given up on that. Um, all right. So the next, the next one, I'm going to take this cause this is a, one of my uh, friends from college and life, uh, Jeff Oslander, who's the CEO and uh, founder of dynamic logistics. And they're one of Kansas city's fastest growing companies. He said, Entre entrepreneurship, Matt, can you spell entrepreneurship? No, without looking. No, no one can. It's okay. No one can. No one can say it either. Entrepreneurship is the hardest thing you can ever do in your life. And if you aren't up, if you aren't up for that, keep working for the man. But if you are up for it and you fight through it, it's the greatest thing you could ever do in your career. I agree. I agree. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's from my buddy, Jeff. All right. You want the last one? Yeah. From one of from one of our attorneys? Yeah, from Sheila Sec. Remember, entrepreneurship is not a straight line, it's a lumpy path. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, I talked about this in Million Dollar Bedroom because business school will teach you that A it's A to B to C to D to E to F to G. And the reality is is that along the way, C quit because it got in a fight with D. And E didn't deliver on time. So we had to jump forward to G and put it where C went. And then C didn't want to go to the back of the line. And then the real problem was somewhere along the way in your office, you didn't know it. F and B started fucking. And then they broke <laughs> up and one of them quit because they didn't want to work with their ex. And that's a that's really how it got. It's never a linear path. It's never really the way that it works. So Matt, we did save the good, which is the shortest part in here. I think the, look now, Hey, if you make it through all these challenges and adversity, that's why I do it, man. I, 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 the challenges are part of the game, but when you get it right, fuck yeah. It's great to run your own company, have that freedom, be in control, not have a boss. Like all those things are great, but it's not. You don't do it for the money. You do it because you enjoy being an entrepreneur. You enjoy solving problems. You enjoy running a business. Money is is the part that is about keeping, is really the score. And um, you got to really focus more on the freedom and, and other benefits that come from being a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, and what you just laid out at the end, that self, that self fulfillment, you know, it was, you know, many people are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the fifth level is, is being self-fulfilled. And the definition of self-fulfillment is doing what you know or feel that you're capable of doing. And, you know, the, it's, a hard, it's a hard category to arrive at. I've been in it. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I've hovered back in and out of it. Uh, it. It does feel great. And it is a huge antidote 
for all the the shit that the, the the three C's cause, all the changes, challenges, and chaos. And you know, when you are in that mode of self fulfillment, and you really feel like you're getting it, it's it's a beautiful feeling. And I think it's worth all the crap that you go through along the way. I mean, another thing I think that is on the good side of expectation is. You know, for me, I, I take a lot of, and I know you do too, Matt. I take a lot of pride in the jobs that we have created both locally and worldwide, Absolutely. as well as the opportunities, like the, you know, the folks that have been with us at full scale since day one, you know, I, we had one employee that was still, that worked in our office. She just retired. Did you know that, you know, Miss Tess retired after 10 years and yeah, around my, 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 like, but, and dude, she's, she's my age. What am I doing wrong? I want to, but, but, you know, that's someone that went from one business to another, to, to the next one. And, you know, like I take a lot of pride in the fact that she took a lot of pride in us and the changes and everything we did. So, you know, Matt, on the way out of this episode, once again, this is episode two of our 52 part series you can tune in for a new installment every week. You can also go to Start a Puzzle TV, find us on the YouTubes. And I'd love if you joined us on Facebook in the Start a Puzzle chat. It's real easy to find. Just go to Facebook and type in search, go to the little search thingy and type in Start a Puzzle. Matt, what's your summary of this episode? What do you, what do you want to say on the way out, buddy? Well, we talked a lot about the negatives and and there are a lot of positives as well. It's, you know, when you start a new company, it can be very exciting and the trial and errors, the iteration of like, oh, we found a new customer and they want this and we can deliver it and they're going to pay us for it. And we're trying this thing. And we figured out we need to make some changes and like all oh, that can actually be a lot of fun and very exciting. And but it can also be very stressful. And if, if you've got to raise money to do it, that's really, really stressful. And it's very frustrating because things don't happen as fast as you want to. And things, you know, you have problems with business partners or this or that or whatever. And um the, the hardest part is you, the hardest part is you said, well, part of the, the funnest part can be the very beginning, but it can also be the hardest, right? You get to a certain point where like you got through the hard part of the first two years or five years that things get a lot easier, which is kind of where Stackify is at now. Um, it's a lot more fun once you get, once you get started, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. I think overall, and like I said, we, we hit on a lot. Look, our goal and our mission statement at Startup Hustle is to tell you the real truth. And I, you know, I turned 46 this year. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I've been in and around this life for a while. And I'm just, I'm just laying it on you folks. Like, I really want you to know what you're getting into. Cause if you don't know, and you go down the rabbit hole, well, I mean, I've seen a lot of people that lose their homes, they lose their credit, they go bankrupt, they do a lot of things because they jumped into something without having a realistic expectation about what to expect or what they were getting into. In the next episodes, we're going to talk to you about some of the successful traits that startup hustle that start startup hustle that startup founders have. Uh, we're talking about some of the reasons that startups fail, a whole lot of other stuff. And you know, as we progress through this mega series, and I, you know, I'm excited about this. I mean, and Matt, good good job. This good episode today, buddy. Yeah, good job, man. I'm proud of you. I'm Keep up the good work. You. I'm proud of you. I just show up and talk, dude. I don't do the hard work anymore, which by the way, is it is an example of what happens when you get some things right. So 
big, big thanks and shout out to our staff and the creative team for putting up with our shit, for helping us get this out and deliver quality and for helping us create a TV show in which you can invariably see Matt Watson perform feats of athleticism, strength, <laughs> and mental acuity. Oh Dude, the whole thing you do with the mind reading thing, like, how do you do that? Uh, that's why they call me master. Is it? Mm-hmm. Is it? I thought you won an award that said you were the master. True. Was that for mind reading? It was for mind yeah. reading. Okay. Yeah. If you want to learn more and see Matt Watson actually read minds, head over to our YouTube channel. I'll see you next time, Matt. Thanks, everybody. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.